Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really interested to have this discussion with you guys. We are going to be talking all about the Ukrainian-Russia conflict that's going on right now, and we're going to dive deeper into some of these subjects which have been swept under the rug by mainstream media, things like the biolabs, things like uh, the difference between what our military is saying, what our government officials are saying, and what the Russia and Chinese government officials are saying. And so it's going to be a really interesting conversation. We're going to look at both sides of the coin. Um, We're also going to discuss briefly um, some of the new things that have happened, like Facebook and Instagram allowing for uh, death threats towards Russian military forces. Um, You know, even though they'll uh, they'll they'll uh, basically ban your account for saying anything about the election. And then we'll also talk about the um, don't say gay bill. Now, I don't even know if it's called that. Um, kind of seems like an inflammatory name for it if they wanted to try and pass this through. However, we're going to discuss that, some of the implications of that, what was actually involved in that bill. And uh, that's going to be a, a great show for us today. So go ahead and stick around. But first, you know what I'm going to say. Next thing I need you to do is go ahead and hit that button on your screen right now. It starts with an S, ends with an UB. Subscribe. Subscribe. Go ahead and press that button, whether you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Go ahead and press that button for me right now. You know that you want to. And I know that you want to join us in this journey. We have some really interesting conversations coming up, and I know that you want to partake in them. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now for me. Um, Thank you so much. I know you just did that. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Now, the next thing I need you to do is head over to our Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com, and uh, go ahead and subscribe there. Now, I do have a system that I have now set up after getting behind in a couple days. Um, I have somebody that I'm going to be working with that's going to be helping me out, take care of a, a couple of these smaller things, including sending over all these links and putting them in a very nice, organized fashion for you guys through that Substack. So go ahead and join me there, redpillrevolution.substack.com. You'll get all the links, all the articles, all the videos that we discussed on today's show. Um, so I would appreciate it. All right. And that is it. Oh, and lastly, if you want to head over to our Linktree, linktree.com slash redpillrevolt, and you can either give a donation, um, you can uh, go to our Amazon wishlist, which has a few things like a new microphone and some uh, camera equipment and some uh, visual uh, things for the background and some lighting, all of that kind of stuff, just to make the show better for you guys. I don't make anything off of that. It's just going to directly affect the quality of the show. And if you would consider, you know, having one of those things uh, sent to me, I would really, really appreciate it. It would be really cool. Um, So, without further ado, this is Red Pill Revolution, episode number 20.
All right, so the very first clip that we're going to look at today, guys, is just going to be a quick little overview of what's going on here um, of these things. And actually, what we're going to discuss first will actually just be this 12 missiles that were fired towards the U.S. consulate in, in Iraq. And this happened late, late last night, right around midnight, I believe. And what ended up happening was there was 12 ballistic missiles fired directly at a U.S. embassy. Now, the type of ballistic missiles that were fired is reported as being a part of um, some type of effort to destroying not only what's on the surface, but also what's below the surface. And I'll see if I can find this direct quote here. Um, but another individual basically posted that the name of the Israeli agents that were killed were released by the R. IRGC, and I assume that has to do with the actually um, Iranian governmental system, and they released the names of the individuals that they killed, which included people like Mattis Datris, which is one of the agents of the Zionist regime. Now, again, this is a comment, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> we don't want to be spreading misinformation, uh, but it also says that it was uh, an individual by the name of Smith, who was a part of the Zionist regime based in the Irbil airport. Adam Butler, in charge of coordinating traffic at the Erbil Airport. Um, Saul, commander of the Zionist regime in the Erbil Airport. Um, Melis Robert, nicknamed Afnes, a Jewish individual based near the Erbil Airport, um, and a few others. Now, along with this, we'll go ahead and watch this video real quick, and this will explain a little bit what happened here. So, join me. It's the first time you're seeing an attack of this scale after the IRGC leader, Qasem Soleimani, was killed in Baghdad and ballistic missiles were fired both in northern Iraq and towards U.S. US facilities, military facilities, that is, in Iraq. Uh, so far, no official confirmation whether these 12 missiles were fired by Iran. Uh, but what we're hearing from officials is that an investigation has been ordered to try and figure out where these missiles came from and what was the motives. Uh, what we know from U.S. and Iraqi officials is that there was no damage caused by these 12 missiles which hit around midnight Iraqi time uh, on the outskirts of Erbil, that is the uh, capital of the semi-autonomous uh, region of Kurdistan. There has been swift condemnation from the Kurdish uh, Prime Minister Masrur Barzani calling it a terrorist attack. We're hearing from the Iraqi Prime Minister saying that an investigation has been ordered and also condemnation from Muqtada al-Sadr, the powerful cleric whose uh, political bloc has secured the highest number of seats after October's elections, worth remembering that there is still no official government uh, since uh, October after these elections took place. Uh, what we do not know is what was the motive behind these attacks. Uh, there has been uh, targeting of IRGC uh, commanders and officials in Syria in recent days. Uh, we also know that this is coming at a critical juncture of Iran's relations with the outside world where the talks in Vienna uh, about nuclear, uh, the nuclear deal have been suspended. We also know that it also comes at the heels of heightened military tensions across the globe as Iran continues to remain an important ally for Russia. So if you understand what that means and you understand our conversations that we've had prior, you understand how concerning that is. A U.S. embassy in Iran was just attacked with 12 ballistic missiles last night in what could be the sparking of U.S. intervention and, and a U.S. military reaction directly as a result of this use of force against the U.S. installation. So if you understand that, you understand how, how much of a critical turning point this could be in the war that these missiles were just fired on a base. Now, they came out and said that there was no damage done. Now, if you watch the videos of this, you cannot fathom 
that there would be no damage done here. You think they, they fight, how much money do you think those missiles were? How much do you think that cost Iran to send those missiles? How much did that cost them, right? And, and you think they're going to fire those without exactly knowing where that's going to go? Right, either you think they fu- they fired it as a warning shot, they spent all that money to fire that as a warning shot, or or to poke the bear. No, no way. There was absolutely damage that was done. Go watch the videos; you'll see what I saw. There was absolutely damage that was done, um, in and surrounding wherever they were where they were trying to um, to hit there. And 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 so why is the U.S. military now trying to cover this up? Right, Iran's been a, a serious ally of the Russia during this these later escalating military tensions. So now. We have word that 12 ballistic missiles were just fired at, at uh, a U.S. military, a U.S. consulate embassy in Iran. And how many times have you heard the word World War III be thrown around? And if anybody was going to do it, especially after the, the Iran nuclear deal that was supposed to happen or, or meeting, at least just got called off um, in the last several days. So is this in a response to that? Is this in a response to the sanctions that were placed on Russia, or is this an ally who is seeing of Russia who is seeing the U.S. intervene in such a way that they believe it is now their turn to intervene against the United States? Time will tell because we still have no information on this. I dug around this morning, and, and there is very little information that we can dig up pertaining to this military attack on the U.S. embassy. So. I, I don't know what to think of this. I don't know whether this is going to spark the U.S. intervention. It sounds to me like they're trying to make it light of it and make it seem like not a big deal. I don't know how you do that, because how many times have we had a legitimate U.S. military or, or embassy be attacked in the last 10 years, especially during heightened nuclear uh, war talks, literally. And if you don't believe me, go back and listen to Russians or, or Vladimir Putin's speech that I went over in, in one of our last podcasts about two podcasts ago. Really quite spine chilling to understand the circumstances of what we're going through right now. So I, I don't know what to think of this yet. I don't know if this means the, the United States military is going to intervene. I don't know if this means World War III, but it, but it could very well mean any one of those things or, or all of them. And so time will tell. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what comes of this. And uh, But I just wanted to get that word out to you guys that we, we do not yet know what is going to come of this conversation or of this military attack. And, and it sounds to me so far like they haven't even commented on it. So we'll, we'll see what they say over the next coming days. And we'll talk about it on our next show. However, the next thing we're going to talk about and the next thing that we're going to go into is the bioweapons lab, which has been a very, very heightened conversation over the last week or so. I put out a video three or four days ago that now has over 260,000 views on Instagram um, that talked about this from a previous show. And it goes over the information of Senator Marco Rubio. So we're going to watch a little intro into this conversation. Now, the intro that we're watching is coming from Infowars.com. If you don't know Infowars.com, it comes from Alex Jones. So take this with whatever amount of attention that you want. But it's he, he has come to be true in very, very, very many cases. So let's go ahead and watch this intro. I thought it was a pretty well done uh, conversation surrounding these bioweapons labs. And then we'll go into what Senator Marco Rubio did in his conversation. Then we will talk about uh, Pazaski's response to this. Then we'll talk about the White House's response to this. Then we will look at Russia's response to this and China's response to this. So it's going to be a very fun-filled conversation today around these bioweapons labs. And we'll go ahead and start that right now. After the Russians secured Pentagon-run biolabs in Ukraine, the U.S. Embassy was caught deleting proof of this from their website. And when the Russians shared documents showing the Ukrainian Minister of Health ordering employees of these biolabs to destroy all deadly pathogens, 
U.S. Senator Marco Rubio asked the U.S. State Department if there was any truth to this. Undersecretary Victoria Newland not only confirmed the presence of the labs, but confirmed that they contain weaponized biological agents that they now fear the Russians will indiscriminately use to start a world war. The Pentagon calls them bio-research labs and containment labs and claim their clandestine operation is all somehow in self-defense. But they are admittedly creating and storing weaponized biological material. And so these biolabs are in violation of Article 1 of the Prohibition on Biological Weapons. During the past couple years, citizens of the world have been getting an advanced education on bioweapons. And the very same crooks we see foisting the Great Reset medical tyranny are involved in the Ukrainian bioweapons labs. This is all being paid for with tax dollars through the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency, the DTRA. U.S. company Black & Veatch has been working closely with the DTRA building bioweapons labs since 2003. Black & Veatch share an office in Kiev with Metabiota, who signed an $18.4 million contract with Black & Veatch in 2014. Metabiota got their start in 2015 with funding from Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, who gave Metabiota $30 million to help protect the world from the spread of epidemics. This is the very same Rosemont Seneca that was mysteriously wired $3.5 million from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. And the very same Metabiota partnered with Peter Daszak's Eco Health Alliance, the group that Dr. Fauci used to funnel money to the Wuhan lab for gain-of-function research in 2014. In 2014, Metabiota, Eco Health Alliance, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology were together researching infectious diseases deriving from Chinese bats. Metabiota is working with known CIA front InQtel. It is funded by the U.S. Department of Defense, the NIH, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, and the National Geographic Society. Metabiota's founder, Nathan Wolf, sits on the board of EcoHealth Alliance and is a member of DARPA's Defense Science Research Council. In 2012, he wrote a book titled The Viral Storm, the dawn of a new pandemic age, wherein he thanked his friends, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and biotech venture capitalist Boris Nikolic. Boris Nikolic was named Jeffrey Epstein's successor executor upon his death. Wolf has also been seen hanging out with Ghislaine Maxwell on multiple occasions. He is also one of Klaus Schwab's young global leaders, trained on how to enact the Great Reset Agenda being directed by the World Economic Forum. Russia claims the Pentagon has over 30 biolabs in the Ukraine alone. China claims they are operating 336 biolabs in 30 different countries. And now, members of our corrupt U.S. government are saying this is all a Russian conspiracy and that we should soon expect a false flag attack from Russia. 
If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Are you seeing it yet? Do you see how deep this goes? Do, do you see how everything is interconnected between these shadow governments and shadow organizations and shadow multi-billionaire, trillionaire society, societies that live within our, society, our culture? It, it is, wow. I, I, I had yet to watch this video. I, don't, I try not to watch these videos too much just to kind of dictate how much I want to show of it for you guys because I want this all to be a true reaction. I didn't know all of that. Um, I did not know about that, about the specific Hunter Biden uh, funded uh, Biomedica, whatever that, that company was that he was working with. Um, I didn't know specifically about the ties between the individual who was Jeffrey Epstein's friend, who was also funding or was funded to do this research in the first place. I am really interested to see at what point in the future we really connect all these dots. Because I don't know if there's been another time in history where there's been so many outright shove your damn face in your the the, the political uh, society's shit. You know how many times have we have we had access to this type of information in real time? Because you know, and everybody was shouting it. Everybody was shouting it from the rooftops, right? Hunter Biden in the Ukraine situation about these companies, the, the you know the biomedicas, the uh, the um, what was the other one? The uh, Barismas, the all of these companies that he shoveled millions of dollars with, and then underhandedly paid back the big guy. If you recall the emails that came from that, who is Joe Biden himself? You have to start to pull at these strings, right? And I'm just doing along with you guys. At no time do I claim to be an expert on all of this. I'm just learning this at the same time that you are, and I like talking about it. This this is crazy to see how deep this really goes. Who would have thought that the Ukrainian situation was tied in with the pandemic situation, which was tied in with the Epstein situation, which was tied in with all of all of these things are intertwined. And if you're not seeing it yet, you need to start opening your eyes and opening your ears to these things and dig up some research on these foundations, things like the World Economic Forum. That Young Global Leaders Foundation should literally just be in mass, like handcuffed and taken away for all of these atrocities against humanity. And there's no way that these things are a coincidence, right? There's no way that all of these individuals who are, you know, basically implementing tyranny against the, the, the world population at this point. Right. And, and I think that's a good point, too, is to kind of point back to this is not only happening in the United States, this is happening on a global level. Right. We're seeing people all over the world question the narrative. It's not just in the U.S. Although when we start to see all of these ties, we see that the U.S. seemingly is at the epicenter of all of these things that have been happening over the last two to three years and in, in how many decades prior, probably since its conception. Right. So. Now that we know a little bit about the ties of these Ukrainian foundations and these biomedical labs that were implemented, that were a part of the NIH, funded by, you know, the, the um, DARPA, had the CEO heading, the same CEO that funded and, and founded these, these bioweapons labs are also a part of DARPA and a part of the NIH. You know, the, the people that Dr. Fauci has been quoting so, so effortlessly as, as the, uh, the purveyors of knowledge. So let's go ahead and let's watch Senator Marco Rubio, who blew the whistle on this and got somebody finally to admit the fact that there are bio weapon labs that are in Ukraine. 
Now, the first part of this has specifically to do with Venezuela. Um, it's about a five-minute clip. I'm going to go ahead and skip that portion, but you should listen to it. I think almost the first four minutes of this clip were about Venezuela. Um, but let's go ahead and skip to the part that is about the biomedical or the bioweapons labs. Why we think that um, cutting a deal with Maduro now to lift sanctions, uh, as he yesterday bragged on television uh, about that meeting and how it's the, the end of, and as they mocked uh, Guaido, that, that meeting uh, did tremendous damage to the person that we recognize as the president of Venezuela. It's, it's incredibly troubling, and it would mean nothing. We would notice nothing. He's more than happy to agree to negotiations. He uses them to divide the opposition and demoralize them habitually, uh, the way Putin has done as well. Um, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda Groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Last question. Um, I, I am certain that the Russians were looking at their foreign at their reserves as a way to buffer sanctions. Do you know how? Now that we've sanctioned the central bank along with others, what do we have an idea of what percentage of their reserves are frozen or inaccessible to them? Uh, virtually all of them are now frozen. You notice that the country's been under currency controls for almost two weeks now, and the whole point of putting so many of these top 10 banks under sanctions is to make it impossible for them to get access to, to their cash in hard currency. So the first thing that we heard there was him mentioning the fact that there are bioweapon labs in Ukraine. And now we know that those bioweapon labs were put there under basically Hunter Biden's funding with the, the, the deals that he was pushing. But also we, we just found out there that Russia is looking to overtake these bioweapons labs. Now these things were conspiracy theories, right? There was no biological medical or, or biological weapons labs that we know of until there is, until we find out about it and until there's enough evidence to where they can't gaslight you anymore. So they can't gaslight you anymore. And now they want you to believe that, oh, well, it's, you know, what, what, what was the next question? The next question was, oh, do you, do, you know, there's been this uh, information leaked that Russia may um, said that the U.S. And, and Ukraine may release these bioweapons on their own people in an attempt to have a false flag. Right. And now Russia saying or now the U.S. is saying, oh, ha ha ha, classic Russia saying that they're going to, you know, use biological weapons on people when really or we're going to use them when really they are like this, like, uh, you know, wh wh whatever they say bounces off of me and sticks to you bullshit. Right. Like so they're saying basically that because 
Russia is saying that Ukraine could use these biological weapons, which we know that they had these labs there, right? We know that now. She just admitted that we know that these, they have these labs. And now they're saying not only is Russia, you know, lying about these labs, which just turned out to be true, but now they're saying that, oh, well, Russia's also lying about the fact that we're going to use them. We would never do that. Really? Would you not? They're classic, ha ha ha, classic Russia, always saying we're going to use biological weapons on people. Like, what a stupid thing to say, especially because if you see her right before she answers that question, she slightly smirks. She has a little smirk on her face talking about Ukraine and the United States using biological weapons against Russia or their own people. And Russia is saying something about it. So if Russia is now telling us the, pro the, the true information that we just found out, there, yes, there are 30 biological weaponry plants or, or research facilities that are in Ukraine. Oh, but we'd never use them, right? Of course not. Of course not. We wouldn't do that. So some of those things that they were talking about were plague-like uh, biological weapons, were things like the rabbit flu or something like that. Um, so we know exactly what these th places were researching, and there was, there was actual documents released, physical, uh, confidential, or hopefully, you know, hopefully not confidential so we can share them, but actual documents that were released by Russia that, that chose or, or talked about these claims being true. And I'm going to learn about this as you are. I'm not, I haven't watched all these videos yet, so we'll learn about this stuff together. And maybe some of these things I'm right and maybe some of these things I'm wrong. So stick around and watch some of these videos with me. The next one that we're going to watch here is going to be the White House. Uh, um, who is it? The White House uh, basically dismissing Russian claims about the biological warfare. So this was on um, March 10th, so like three days ago. And this is the same guy that lied to us, to us about a, a bunch of things that are now on the record that he's apologized about. Now he's saying, oh, I'm going to tell you the truth now. Here he is. The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable. And, uh, you know, in the words of my... Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing to it. It's classic Rus Russian propaganda. And, uh, and uh, I wouldn't, uh, if I were you, I, I, wouldn't give it, uh, I wouldn't give it a drop of ink worth, worth paying attention to. Sounds like he's almost threatening the news sources. If I were you, I wouldn't even give it a drop of ink. Don't even pay attention to this. Don't even look. Close your eyes. You don't need to watch this. We don't need to listen to these things that are about mommy and daddy America being bad. Close your eyes and don't, definitely don't, write it down. We can't have you guys writing these things down because then they'll be misproved later, right? Like, like we're about to misprove this man who we just heard was wrong. We just heard Senator Rubio and the, the, the uh, who was it, the Department of Defense, basically, um, or the Secretary of Defense. Let's see who that woman was. Um, she basically just told us that it was true. We just found that out. And she was uh, the, the Secretary of State for Political Affairs. That's who she was. Okay, so she just admitted it. Now the White House comes out and says, ha ha ha, classic Russia saying that we're going to have biological warfare on people and are, and are basically uh, going against specific laws that we set out for ourselves and other countries about these biological weapons, saying that Ukraine cannot have them and should not be researching these things, right? So we are violating world laws by having these things there. And now they're lying to your face and saying you don't even pay attention to it. Don't waste a drop of ink, news reporters. Again, almost sounds like a threat. Yeah, but... but.
can you explain to us what it, has there been any relationship between the? We are not, not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. They have a large uh, biological and chemical weapons program. Uh, so it's a pattern, but they also have the capacity. Uh, well, I'm not going to get into specific intelligence. We look at all of those factors. Um, and we also know, and one of the reasons, one of the, the, the main issue that prompted my Twitter thread yesterday was that uh, Russia has a history also of inventing outright lies like this, which is the suggestion that the United States has a chemical and biological weapons program, or Ukraine does, that they're operating. Russia is the one, is the country that has a chemical and biological weapons program. So uh, the objective uh, was to uh, make clear uh, the inaccuracy of the information, the misinformation they're trying to put out, uh, and make clear to the world that they not only have the capacity, they have a history of using chemical and biological weapons, and that uh, in this moment we should have our eyes open for that possibility. So you see what they're doing now. You see what the narrative is. They All three of those people just said the same thing. Ha ha ha, classic Russia, saying that we are going to use biological weapons and saying that the United States is doing it and saying that Ukraine is doing it. But when really, they're the ones doing it. It's always it, it's always like, it's, it's funny to me how it's like this is purveying out, this is working itself out to be like a, a middle school argument, right? Like like the United States and like Russia told, told on Ukraine and the US for having biological weapons. Now, Ukraine and Russia, like I, I remember this story, like as somebody that I knew got, got, you know, basically they had some friends and literally this is a true story. Somebody who I knew found, had friends in middle school and, and they had, uh, you know, all these, uh, this friend group and somebody in the friend group was talking shit about the other person in the friend group saying all these mean things about their friend saying how, you know, whatever, think of whatever, put in the blank. Okay. And all these mean things about this individual. And so the person that I knew having a middle school conscience, went to those that person that they were saying mean things about and said, hey, this person's saying mean things about you. They, you shouldn't be their friend anymore. They're doing this thing, right? And now that person who was saying those mean things originally came back to that person they were saying mean things about and said, no, 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 it wasn't me saying those things about you. It was them. It was the one who just came to tell you about me saying that. It was them. They were saying the mean things about you. And because they had a longer standing relationship, they chose to believe the individual who came to them second. But what is in the vested interest of that person coming to you originally just to start shit? Right? Is Russia just trying to start shit? By, I mean, maybe there's definitely countries who just try to start shit. But in this analogy, right? Generally, the person who's coming to you first saying this person's doing something wrong is generally not going to call themselves out first, right? As we see here, the United States didn't come to the, to the, to the public and say, Hey, Russia has these biological weapons and here's what they're doing. And here's what, what we're seeing on the ground. No, Russia did that. Russia came to everybody and said, no, us has biological weaponry here. They are violating these conventions. They are violating these international laws. And then the U.S. comes back and says, no, 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 we're not doing that. They're doing that. Don't listen to them. Classic Russia. <laughs> like, it's it's amazing to the extent that they think that they can gaslight the American people. It's all bullshit, guys. Like, if you're not seeing that by now, it's, it's going to be really tough because, you know, we've gone through one of the craziest times in history of, of them spreading propaganda. And, and now they're doing it again about this war, like back to back to back. Could you imagine having to be one of these people kind of keep all your fucking lies together? Right. Like just just every single thing that comes out of Pazaski's mouth is a, is just bullshit. The entire thing, everything she's saying. And so we saw that theme 
right? If you look at the talking points, they said, no, we're not doing that. Or in the case of the first clip, we said, yes, we're absolutely doing that. And then these other two times they came back and said, no, we're not doing that. And classic Russia to think, to say that we're going to do that, right? Every single one of them, almost, literally almost like they all three said classic Russia, like you know, you ever see those clips of the news media where they come out and they're like, you know, they basically just sync up all the audio of these hundreds of feeds of different news companies saying the same exact thing because they were pushed down by the powers that be with a script that they were supposed to read about the specific situation to push a specific narrative. That's all we're seeing here. Right now, Pazaski's just the talking head. And so was these other two individuals. And so we see now that, that they're trying to push this narrative. And, and, and this to me is super scary. Right. We should be scared because if we're playing this like biological weaponry, hot war, you know, who's going to press the button first game now? That's that's a real possibility. Like when you speak something into the world, we've talked about this in the past. When you speak something into the world, the probability of it happening gets that much higher. But when the White House speaks something into the world, you know, what we've seen in the past is they're trying to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. So they can look at it and go, hey, we told you about that. Don't be mad at us that this happened, even though they were the ones that made it happen in the first place. And again, that's what we're seeing here. So the next thing we're going to watch is the White House um, warning people that Russia may use chemical weapons in Ukraine. And this may actually be the same clip. So we're going to go ahead and skip that. We're going to see the Russian side of this. Russia demands U.S. explain support for alleged biowarfare labs in Ukraine. This is a two minute and 40 second clip. We're going to go ahead and play this and then we'll see what our opinion is on this. So let's get Russia's side of it. Let's get the United States side of it. And then we'll get China's side of it and we'll see what we can kind of put together out of all of this. But we do know that legitimate documents were released that show that these things were real. We heard the, the original individual part of the public affairs portion of the Department of State um, just say that it's true. And then they come back and backpedal, right? Classic, classic United States government officials. <laughs> Мы подтверждаем те вскрывшиеся в ходе проведения специальной военной операции на Украине Okay, now I know you guys don't speak Russian, so I'm going to go ahead and speak this for them. <laughs> so it says, we are confirming the facts that were unveiled during the special military operation in Ukraine, this woman says, that indicate an emergency cleanup of military biological programs by the Kiev regime. They were carried out by Kiev and financed by the United States of America. Of course, it is out of question that the, it is out of question that they were used in a peaceful way to benefit science and peace, as they were financed by the United States Ministry of Defense. We assume that the U.S. Defense Department and the Presidential Administration of the United States maybe I should read slower <laughs> are obliged to officially explain to the global community officially not through talking heads about the programs in Ukraine. The issue is very important, and it is important to the entire world. We will hope that we would be able to sort it out. What these facilities were, the ones that operated on Ukraine's territory, and which, in fact, had been run by the American specialists. For sure, the whole world would be interested to understand and find out what kind of activities these facilities were engaged in. The goals of returning Ukraine to the origins of its sovereignty, as enshrined by the Declaration of Independence, 
which proclaimed its neutral status and cooperation with Russia, will be achieved as declared by the Russian leadership. It is better that this is done through peaceful negotiations. The goals of the special military operation are to protect the DPR, self-proclaimed Donetsk people, and the LPR, self-proclaimed Luhansk People's Republic, to demilitarize, to eliminate the military threat to Russia that comes from Ukrainian territory, as it had been developed by NATO countries and supplied with weapons. It is not aimed at occupying Ukraine, destroying its statehood, and toppling its current leadership. It is not targeted against civilian population. Russia has never threatened the NATO alliance and is not threatening now. At the same time, Russia cannot but react to the confrontational course taken by the NATO regarding our Missed the last word of that <laughs> regarding our country. Okay. So now I think an important thing was that they stated specifically there, and this is by global news. Um, they stated there that the Kiev regime was put into power by NATO, was funded by NATO and was given weaponry by NATO. And then was given these bioweapon chemical plants, bioweaponry plants in research institutions, right? By the United States and by NATO. Right, and, and Putin already said that NATO is specifically just a, a, a figurehead for United States to spread its power. Right, so they're just all talking about the U.S. and knowing that these are U.S.-funded things. So, so what we did is we set up a third-party government in Ukraine under the Obama administration, put these individuals into power, decided that we were going to implement all of this uh, shadow government things like these bioweaponry labs that are not supposed to be there according to international law. And now the United States has shown its ass to the entire world. The entire world now knows that we had bioweaponry plants in Ukraine. The entire world now knows that we were at the very least studying these things and had these, these, these operational uh, scientific institutions in place that were studying these things illegally against, against the, the international code of law. We know that now, 100%. And, the, and she, the, the, the individual that was, that was that first video that we watched, just agreed with that, just said it's true. And now everybody's backtracking because they know how shitty the United States looks. And they're not trying to do it against the world because they know that they have the world on their side because they already bought and paid everybody off. And we are literally the shadow government of the world. But they're doing it against the American people. They want you to agree with this all. They want you to fly that Ukraine flag outside of your damn house like I've literally seen people do in my, in my own city. Um, they want you to have it as your Facebook profile picture, right? And, and so they want you to do all these things under the guise of the American government. But they don't want to give you the real facts. And they don't want you knowing the real facts. They want to gaslight you. They want you to not think that the, what was being said originally by our own public affairs official from the, dark, the, 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 the Secretary of State or again, whatever that woman was, yeah, the Secretary of State for Political Affairs said and approved and agreed that these are real, right? So the next thing we're going to see here is China. China urging the United States to release details of the bio labs in Ukraine. And here's that conversation. Now, I don't know if they're going to speak Chinese, and if they do, again, you'll hear my beautiful voice. But if not, you'll hear theirs. Go ahead. Recently, the U.S. biological labs in Ukraine have indeed attracted much attention. According to reports, in these facilities, 
A large quantity of dangerous viruses are stored. Russia has found during its military operations that the U.S. uses these facilities to conduct military plans. According to data released by the U.S., it has 26 labs and other facilities in Ukraine, over which the U.S. Department of Defense has absolute control. All dangerous pathogens in Ukraine must be stored in these labs, and all research activities are led by the U.S. side. Without U.S. approval, no information shall be released to the public. Under the current circumstances, for the sake of the health and safety of people in Ukraine, neighboring regions and beyond, we call on relevant sites to ensure the safety of these labs. In particular, the U.S., as the party that knows the labs the best, should disclose specific information as soon as possible, including which viruses are stored and what research has been conducted. The biological military activities of the U.S. in Ukraine are merely the tip of the iceberg. Using such pretexts as cooperating to reduce biological safety risks and strengthening global public health, the U.S. has 336 labs in 30 countries under its control. The U.S. has also conducted many biological military activities in Fort Detrick. What is the true intention of the U.S.? What has it done specifically? The international community has long held doubts. However, the U.S. has kept stonewalling and even dismissing the doubts as spreading disinformation. Moreover, the U.S. has been standing alone in obstructing the establishment of a biological weapons convention verification mechanism and refusing verification of its bio biological facilities at home and abroad. This has led to greater concern of the world. Once again, we urge the U.S. to give a full account of its biomilitary activities at home and abroad and accept multilateral verification. All right, I'm sorry if that was not very pleasing to the ears, <laughs> but you, yeah, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes is listen to the facts from the individuals who are speaking them. And sometimes that means listening to translators. And I think that's important. You know, don't just take the information that we're being, being given in the U.S. There's so much documents, so many speeches being given, so many political figures in each individual country. Now, if you understand it from like, don't, stop, stop wearing a jersey. Like, stop wearing a jersey in this. There's no reason we should be Team Ukraine. And and if you break it down even further enough, there's no reason we should be Team United States. We're just choosing a governmental entity. And unfortunately, it's the one that we live under. And so, so right, and so in this situation, we have to look at it from a humanitarian global scale, right? Who, who are the individuals that we should be concerned about? From what it sounds like, the individuals that we could, should be concerned about, that the, a lot of the international community is, is should be is concerned about, is the United States, in the way that we're not properly taking the, the the legal channels and the verifications that are necessary to have these bioweaponry labs in place. 
And we're not even talking about them to the American people. We're specifically, just like he said, dismissing them as misinformation or conspiracy theories. So why? Why? Why don't they want us knowing about these? What is the what is the problem with us? If, if everything's above board and there's nothing wrong going on here and we're not going to release these things into the into the public or into Ukraine or into Russia, then why are we lying about them? Why is Pazaski trying to lie? Why are they gaslighting you? Why are they preempting you for us doing some type of biological warfare strike and saying, ha ha, classic Russia? What what is truly going on behind the scenes here? And especially what's going on behind the, the little sleight of hand money grabs between those companies that we just learned about with Hunter Biden, right? And why were they so concerned about covering up that laptop? And that's another conversation for another day, right? But today we know that there are far, far more people in the world who are concerned about the United States and these biological labs, weaponry labs, than are concerned about Russia trying to invade Ukraine. And, and these were conspiracy theories, literally conspiracy theories. 30 biolabs were talked about and how he immediately started striking these within the first day or so. So this was a very planned operation to go after the biological weaponry labs in the United States because, again, this is not about Ukraine. This is not about this, you know, millennia-long conversation that, that comes into play with, like, who settled where and who identifies with what and what religion are we. And, you know, it's not really about that. It's about the money. It's about the power plays. And what we're seeing now is it's about the bioweaponry labs that are on the doorstep, on the doorstep of Russia. And so that's why they were the first things to be struck, right? And now we're seeing the whole world unite around stifling the conversation around this, right? And specifically social media, right? Social media, of course, of course, is always going to be the first one who, who tries to diminish the reality of what's going on and try to gaslight you in any way possible. So we're going to see that here, right? And what this really tells me, this next clip that we're going to watch, what this really tells me is that Facebook, they've tried to play this card. Like they try to say like, oh, we're just trying to make humanity better or, or, or we're just trying to keep it a safe space for our users. Fuck you. No way. Of course not. We know that's not the case. We see that it's a political narrative that they're trying to push in every which direction that makes them the most amount of money. And, and I had this conversation the other day. It's like we're trying to think that like, OK, is it is it that Facebook and Instagram are doing the bidding of our government and that's why they're pushing these narratives and stifling the other side? Or is it that these corporations are wanting to push a narrative and do so through the politics. And that's why they're implementing these things. And the real the real aspect of that is where's the big money? And the big money, of course, is in the corporations and in, in social media and in Facebook and Instagram, right? And so it has to be the, the, the chicken before the egg, right? I don't know if that's the right analogy there. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's the fact that Facebook has these agendas in mind and Instagram and Twitter all have these agendas in mind, and then they uh, they push them through the political governments. It's not that the government is is pushing Facebook to stifle these conversations. It's that Facebook is pushing the politics and the politicians and our government to do certain things, and 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 just enforcing them through the conversations that they can, uh, you know, shadow ban you for. And we're gonna see that here. 
a, a very, very specific, direct, exact showing of this. The fact that they do not have your best interest in mind. They do not care about their fucking community at all and trying to make it a safe space for each other. Because the second that things go down, the second that they need to, they will allow you to incite whatever violent threats that you want upon the groups that they fucking hate or are trying to profit off of the death of. And that's what we'll see here. And the title is, Facebook and Instagram allow posts calling for death of Russian soldiers. And here it is. Allowing posts calling for violence against Russian soldiers, but it won't apply here in the U.S., so don't go trying this at home. The amended rule only applies if you're in Poland, Ukraine, Russia, or several other Eastern European countries, according to Reuters. A media spokeswoman said, quote, as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have temporarily made allowances for forms of political expression that would normally violate our rules, like violent speech, such as death to the Russian invaders. We still won't allow credible calls for violence against Russian civilians. Posts that call for the death of Putin and Belarusian President Lukashenko were also given the green light. The Intercept reported that Meta will also allow praise of the right-wing Azov Battalion, which was previously and normally prohibited. Isn't this interesting? <laughs> yes, you could call to it, but only if you're in these other countries. I wonder why it is that only if you're in these certain countries. Is it because sometimes in certain languages, like I know in Arabic, for example, death to something is... It, it just means it sucks. Right. right? It's yeah. a typical phrase. So they say, right. death to traffic, death to... Yes. That's all it means. It doesn't actually mean if like... If it's a I credible mean, threat yeah. against a specific traffic, then... Then that could then, be right. Then, then, then that's a No, I think they... I don't context. think that's what they are intending. I, I think their, their thinking is that it is morally justified to call for death to Russians, right. death to Russian soldiers if you live in those areas. Obviously, right. they had a committee meeting to decide this. So it's kind right. of, it, look, I think it might be perfectly defensible, um, actually. Maybe it suggests that in general, the policies, the policies around what you're allowed to say on Facebook and other social media platforms should be a little bit more permissible than they are now if, you know, all of a sudden there's something like this and they go, oh, wait, maybe it would be okay for so people to uh, say these things. Right, so it's, you're allowed to call for the assassination of a foreign leader or even... The, the killing of troops. Right. So as long as you're in one of these countries. Right. And it, it seems like it's the self-defense argument taken to the mm -hmm. geopolitical scale. Right. This isn't really self-defense, is it? Well, so Russia... If you're in po Poland, so what is it, Poland? Well, well I mean, if, if you're in Ukraine... Russia's saber-rattling at Poland. They're the invaders. They but are if you're the invaders. in any other or Eastern European country, which I would like to know that list, so is this like the Baltic nation? <laughs> Before you call for the death yeah, of anybody. Yeah. You want to know. It's like, did we make the list? Can we do this? Or can you get, we, a, yeah, get a VPN you know. that puts you in Poland. So then you, you could can do then... it, potentially, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this just, I, personally, I don't, I, I don't think any call for violence should be allowed at all. I mean, self-defense is one thing, but this isn't really self-defense to say, I'm calling for the assassination of a president. That's like saying, it, that is... That's why every... Every military, every government after World War II renamed their War Department Defense Department yeah. or Defense Ministry. They were all war ministries. Then they became right. defense ministries. And all of a sudden, they became imperial. How funny, funny how that works. We had Jason Miller on, remember, uh, to talk about founding Getter. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we asked him, well, what are, what are you going to allow? What are you not going to allow? He said, well, we're not going to allow calls for violence. Mm -hmm. They're like, so what about the American Revolution? And he was like, hmm. But that's different. I don't think you can call for violence directly. So you could say, 
Maybe you could so say... So you can't support the American Revolution? Well, no, but I think... What, well, you can't call... You, for, well... You could say you support the overturn... You could... You right. can support a peaceful overturn of the government or a change in the government. How do you have a peaceful well, we American do it every, revolution? We do it every four years, right? I mean, every four years we vote in a new government. No, but I mean the actual American revolution. Right. Like, that was not a say, peaceful... I don't like the Constitution. I want to throw the Constitution out. That's a form of revolution, right? But you can't say, right. I want to violently go and invade and take over with Until guns. you can. Until you can. And until a revolution becomes justified or a defense of sovereign territory becomes justified, like going on in, in Ukraine now. That's, that's the problem with them saying that you can't promote violence, especially when the United States of America is one of the most violent, is in, insanely violent. Like, we bomb people all the time. Right. So just so it would be like saying you cannot support the policies of your own government. Well, of course you can. You can support right. drone strikes. Well, that's really what this is about, is who gets to exercise violence legitimately. Right. I mean, that's right. like the state right. engages in violence. Poli the police engage in violence. But we accept that state-sanctioned violence, some people accept it, not all people, <laughs> that state-sanctioned violence can be justified, can be morally permissible the way just regular people committing violence isn't. That's what the state has a so monopoly on, so a legitimate call, use of violence. They're, they're calling this state-sanctioned yeah. violence, right. maybe. But I'm curious if you could call for us to go to war with can we then say on Facebook, sure. we should go to war with Russia? Because People that's say that all the time. Yeah, but, but that would almost be a violation of right. the rules unless you're in one of these countries. Because by saying, right. I want to go to war, they we should, should be bombing Russia. What we we're getting at is that these rules are really bad. And right. there's no, there's no, there cannot be even enforcement of them because right. they're just far right. too subjective. Really, I, I, like, personally, it should be if it's a crime, then I could understand right. them saying, okay, we don't allow crimes. Well, the, the First Amendment... Hit, you know, it's something that's been litigated for 200 years. We've finally we've gotten to a place where it's pr extremely clearly defined and broadly agreed to, even you know, by different ideological people. All right, that's enough of them. Um, so I, I think I, for one of the first times, and I don't know why I play them all the time, but I'm I'm happy I did this time. They made some good points, which is like the first one being the fact that you know all of the the war machines and all of the the war uh, what did he call them war entities turned themselves into defense entities, <laughs> and and now all of a sudden it becomes acceptable to do what they do on a daily basis. Um, but also, I did like the conversation surrounding the freedom of speech. It's like if you're going to allow this in this instance, then you are by proc you are by Sorry, proxies in my head right now. But you are then allowing violence, speech, but only when it's convenient for you. And you are taking a side in these political and governmental affairs, which then makes you a, a, a purveyor of information and pushing out what's right and what's wrong. And who's to say that it's right and what's wrong? So you have to allow all of it. So if you're going to allow people to say death to the Russian regime, as long as they're in these sp certain specific coordinates, then you should allow it everywhere. Because you can't take a side, Facebook. You can't take a side, Instagram, on these geopolitical warfare schemes. Like you can't, you can't decide who's right and who's wrong. You have to let the people just discuss it amongst themselves. So just let it be conversation. You can't choose who's right and who's wrong in these conversations. It, it makes you a, you know, what, what is it? A publisher, right? Is that that you are now taking a side? And and again, what what's it going to come down to? Are they going to allow the 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 vaccinated to call violence against the unvaccinated eventually because it's right to them? Because that's what this opens the door for, right? The, the Facebook and Instagram allowing violent speech towards Russian 
individuals and soldiers is opening the door for violent speech against anybody and it allows them to then decide who's right and who's wrong and who we can talk about and who we can't talk about and then opens the door just like i said opens the door to them allowing for people who are vaccinated to call for violence against the unvaccinated for the nazis to call for violence against the jews as long as it's justified and that is a scary thought because now they are the dictators of information. Now they are the dictators of the narrative. And now they get to decide, you know, because they know when that what that speech does. And it kills people. It causes murder on a massive scale. And now they're deciding who lives and who dies. And we're just going to sit back and keep throwing up memes and do nothing about it. Although, shout out to True Social, where all of this should be allowed, from my understanding. Right? And they even said that Getter you know, it doesn't allow for violent speech, but under what context and who gets to decide what's violent, right? So it, it brings up a, an interesting moral dilemma of, of who, why do we get to tell anybody what they should say on any of these matters? Because if you are telling one person and not allowing the other person to talk about it, then you're choosing a side and you, because of that, are responsible for the deaths of the individuals that come of that hate speech or of that violent speech. And so you just have to let speech be speech. These, these social media accounts and these social media companies should not be being the, the, the dictators or the deciders of who's right and who's wrong in a war. Because I'm sure if there was a Nazi-ran Facebook in the 40s, they would have said that it was okay to call for violence against the Jews. And if there was a Jewish-ran Facebook in the 40s, they would have allowed for violent calls against the Nazis. But who's right and who's wrong? And who the fuck are they to say? On that note, let's go ahead and let's discuss briefly this quick little conversation surrounding the don't say gay bill and what it actually entails. And then we'll look at Pazaski's response to it. So we'll see briefly what this is actually about. We'll have a conversation about it. We'll see what Pazaski's dumbass has to say about it. And then we'll discuss it again. And that will wrap today up. So let's go ahead and watch it. The Florida Senate's Education Committee is under fire after approving legislation that would bar Florida school teachers and officials from encouraging conversations about sexual orientation and gender identity in primary grade levels or at any level if it's in a manner deemed not age appropriate for students. Named the Don't Say Gay Law by its critics, the legislation also limits these conversations from taking place during student counseling and expands parents' rights to sue school districts for concealing students' sensitive mental and physical health information. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced his support for the legislation earlier this week, saying, quote, we've seen instances of students being told by different folks in school, oh, don't worry, don't pick your gender yet, do all this other stuff. They won't tell the parents about these discussions that are happening, DeSantis said. That is entirely inappropriate. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden slammed the bill yesterday in a tweet calling it hateful and telling LGBTQ students, quote, I have your back and my administration will continue to fight for the protections and safety you deserve. Our rising panel joins us now to weigh in. Andrew Feldman is a Democratic strategist. Emily Jashinsky is culture editor at The Federalist. Welcome to you both. All right. I don't care about those two <laughs> opinions. Um, what I do care about is the fact that you should not be teaching anything around sex or sexual orientation or trying to have a conversation surrounding what, what my child or literal in like this is for from what I saw, it was grades up to third grade. They cannot talk about sexual orientation. Why the hell do you want some random 35 year old man or woman talking to your children 
your seven-year-old about sex. I I think this should just be a general rule, whether it's about straight sex, gay sex, whatever it is, transhumanoid sex, animalistic bestiality. Don't talk to my seven-year-old. Don't talk to my eight-year-old. Don't talk to my 15-year-old about these things. Let them discover it. I don't need some person who makes $30,000 a year, who went through a liberal university, only hearing the, the, the thoughts of their professor, but never actually being in real life to learn about these things, telling my child how to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable when it comes to sex. And trust me, I'm very fine and open with, you know, whatever sexual orientation you have. Now, when it comes to the, you know pronouns and shit. Obviously, that's where things get super weird. But if you're gay, be gay. And if you're straight, be straight. That's cool. Do whatever you want. I don't care as long as you're not trying to have sex with me. (laughs) So that's my thoughts on it, right? I don't care. Do what you got to do. But don't talk to my six-year-old about it. Because if I hear that some, you know, gay 35-year-old man is trying to push his sexual ideology onto my seven-year-old, that man's still a man and he's still getting his ass whooped the second he walks out of that school. That's crazy. And so for people to be pushing back, including the president of the United States who feels the need to sniff every six-year-old that he walks past, is now pushing this belief system that you should be able to talk about sex to my six-year-old or my seven-year-old or my 10-year-old at school, tells you everything you need, you need to know about the, the bill, right? If, if they're pushing it, it's probably not for a good reason at this point. And that's not everything, right? That's not everything. But in this specific instance, when it comes to this conversation, it is. The, the, there's no reason that these individuals, these teachers, should be pushing their sexual ideas onto my children. That's gross. That's disgusting. You have no right to do so. I don't need your opinion to my child about gay or mar- or non-marital or trans sex at all. I don't need your opinion on that. And I don't, definitely don't need you talking to my child about it. Because if some random man walked up to my child pushing whatever sexual belief systems he had on the street, I'm whooping his ass. And if you do it in a school setting where you're already an individual of authority, you're already thought to be as somebody who has a, a, a worthy opinion, even though it hasn't really been tested in a conversation like this. You just get to automatically talk to my seven-year-old or 10-year-old or five-year-old or whatever about sex and sexual orientation. And, and, and we don't even know what they pulled with that. What do they bring to the table with that? What, what was their sexual history like? I, I don't care. I don't want it in my classroom for my child. I don't want that at all. It's wrong. There's no reason for it. And I'm not going to fund it with my money. Luckily, I don't live in Florida anymore. But it's wrong. And, and the fact that this even has to be a conversation... The fact that we even have to talk about this and say that it's wrong for some, like literally, if, if this was a conversation five, ten years ago, people would have been like, yeah, don't push your sexual orientation onto my children. You fucking creep, weirdo. What are you doing? And now we actually have to argue this? Unbelievable to me. Crazy. Disgusting. Gross. We, we need, uh, what's his name? The guy from, uh, it was a Dateline or whoever who shows up, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you, you know, do you know why you're here with this 13 year old talking to them about your sexual orientation? Right? Disgusting. There's no reason for it. it, it absolutely no reason. And I believe let's let's look it up. Um, and it was by the critics. Obviously, they shouldn't have called it don't say gay because obviously that's not the point of it. it isn't about not saying gay. It's about not pushing your sexual ideology onto my child. <laughs> so. Um. Stances back, Gail sparks outrage. Let's see if it got passed. It passes. So Florida House did pass the bill, thankfully, right? And, and now I like how they call it that, don't say gay bill, right? They, they like to put these little one, two, three letter words like the, you know, Patriot Act, the don't say, you know, the N-word act. Like, yeah, of course, you dummy. 
Great, we should be able to say gay, but you don't need to say it to my six-year-old and try and push your sexual orientation onto a child or an infant. Maybe not an infant, right? They might not understand you. But a child, right? Anybody who's in grade school, pre-K, up to 12th grade, you don't need to be pushing your sexual orientation, right? We have a good idea if you're a gay teacher. We probably know, promise you. <laughs> but I don't care for you to talk to my child about it. There's no place for my school system to talk to my child about sex. And if I want that, they can do it in sex ed class and I can approve the curriculum. And all they did was open up the door for there to be actual litigation in the events where these teachers are talking about these sick things in front of children, right? And this comes on the back of, who was it? Some, somebody's, I forget the name, it was uh, somebody's husband, right? Uh, was it Budigag or somebody like that? Um, let's see. Budigag, something like that, who, who basically their husband had a whole, and there was a video that went around in it. Yeah, Peter Budigag's husband reciting the LGBTQ pledge with gay youth camp in viral video. So basically what this was, you know, let's, let's go ahead and we, we can see if this video here basically, and, and I don't think this was a, a, an exact example because I believe this was like a specifically uh, gay camp right? Where you send your child if they're gay and you want them to feel accepted. Um, so I believe that was kind of the, the context around this, which makes it a little different than just preaching to a first grade class. Um, but let's go ahead and watch this video uh, where he basically recites a pledge of allegiance over and above our, our actual country's pledge of allegiance surrounding gay rights. It's a it's quite amazing to me how they try to just like bury these clips of people. Like it's, they make it very specifically hard to find on the spot. So let give me a minute or two while I'm going ahead and, and pulling this up for us here. But yeah, so basically what he did is he, you know, I pledge allegiance to the, you know, gay flag of the United gays of America and to the amazingness in which we sparkle and like all this weird, all this weird stuff. And there's no place for it. Right now, I think there is some context to be had if it is a gay camp specifically, um, but I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think you need to be talking to, like some 35 year old man does not need to be talking sex with a 10 year old. Like there, there's really no reason for this at all. And, and so what, what we'll find in this bill is that all that's doing is stopping that conversation from happening in a setting where, you know, it shouldn't be anyways. And again, they're just burying this, burying it, burying it. And I hate to leave you guys like hanging with the time of me searching for stuff. And then I got to go back and add to it and do all this stuff. And like, you know, it's, it's not the way to go. Um, but if I would have thought this through enough, I would have had this video pulled up for you. However, let's just talk about it. Because basically it was like, I pledge allegiance to the gay flag of the, the pride flag of the United States of America and to the gays in which it stands one sparkle under love and indivisible with, you know, happiness and, you know, gayness for all, whatever it was. Now, again, I think the context is important. I think it's under, uh, important to understand if this was a specific gay camp compared to an individual first grade class. Um, but I, I also think that there's no reason you should be sending your child to a LGBTQ camp at 10 years old. Like, no, my parents never sent me to a straight camp, right? I probably would have liked it if they did. <laughs> But I was never 10 years old attending a, um, you know, attending a straight, um, a, a straight camp for specifically for my sexual orientation. Like you're, you're at 13 years old. There's no reason to be highlighting your child's sex life. Like it was something we tried, you know, even if you're straight, you still shouldn't be doing this to people. Right. And, and so 
there's no reason for it. There's absolutely, it's disgusting if I was one of the parents in this room. And, and again, if it was a, if they sent their kids there for this, that's different. Right. But if this is a regular high school and, and I don't know, I don't believe that's the case. I think it is like a specific camp for this. That's wrong. Um, but here seems to be the clip. At least this is a website that says that they're going to let me watch it. And here it is. Pledge my heart, heart. to the rainbow, rainbow. of the not-so-typical gay camp, camp. one camp, camp. full of pride, pride. indivisible, Indivisible. with affirmation and equal rights for all. So it appears as if this clip came from 2012. It just resurfaced itself during this, you know, don't say gay bill stuff. Um, but it says this clip originally comes from Mayor Pete in the Amazon Prime documentary released in 2021, which catalogs Buttigieg's failed 2020 presidential campaign at a campaign event for LGBTQ youth in Iowa, Chastern, is shown in the documentary working alongside children and young adults to decorate drag tater potatoes dressed to look like drag queens. In another clip from the documentary, also posted by the Log Cabin Republicans of Richmond, Chastain dramatically pulling back a formidable rainbow fan to reveal a dr his drag tater. It's cherry, says Chastain in a deep voice, apparently to imitate a drag queen. Um, so this is from a gay camp. So again, I think that's important context, right? If you're sending your child to a middle school and they're doing this in your middle school, yeah, definitely coming up there and we're having some talks with... Mr. Pride Flag. Um, but still, still, you, you probably shouldn't be sending your child to this gay camp at 10, 13, 5, 20 years old, right? There's no reason to go to a camp specifically for sexual reasons. I was never sent to that. Being straight, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. So here's Pazaski on that, and we'll see what she has to say around, about this bill. Florida bill um, in 1994, when many of us in this room were in school, uh, President Biden actually voted for a much broader restriction uh, that banned federal funds from being used for, quote, the promotion of homosexuality as a positive lifestyle alternative. Uh, why did he do that? And can you describe how his thinking has evolved over the years? Well, I think that you have seen the president speak passionately about his view that a bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need, is discriminatory. It's uh, a form of bullying. Um, it is horrific. I mean, the president has spoken to that. In terms of his views and comments from 25 years ago, I think the most important question now is why are Florida leaders deciding they need to s discriminate against kids who are members of the LGBTQI community? What prompts them to do that? Is it meanness? Is it wanting to make kids have more difficult times in school, in their communities? I would pose that question to them, and we can talk about it more tomorrow if you get an answer. Was there a reason you supported the same policy, though, in, in the 90s when we were all in school? I think what's important to note here is how outspoken the president has been against discrimination, against uh, kids, against members of the LGBTQI plus community. And what we're looking at here is a bill that would propagate misinformed, hateful policies and impact children. So that's the question I hope maybe you can pose that uh, to some of the leaders in Florida. Maybe they'll return your phone calls and I'll look forward to having that conversation with you. All right, so I want you to think of this. What if there was a sexual orientation 
who only loved, I don't know, whatever word you want to use for it. I think it's uh, the word like blowjob <laughs> or some type of, um, you know, kind of lingus, like a, a sexual orientation that only preferred not having specific sex, right? And now there was a, a group of people who were pushing the idea that you have to push to these five, six, seven, 10, 15 year olds, that this is an acceptable sexual orientation. Tell the six year olds, they just must loving blowjobs and only blowjobs is okay. And then somebody says, no, we don't need to be talking to my six year old about blowjobs. That's weird. Don't talk to them about blowjobs. If you want to have, you know, no sex and just have blowjobs, that's fine. I don't really care. But if you want to push that ideology onto my child at six years old, I find that to be inappropriate. I find that to be wrong, right? Whether that's having sex with somebody who's the, the same, uh, you know, uh, gender as you, whether that's having specific types of sex, uh, it's all just inappropriate. Just because I, I, I don't go to the school and say, hey, you should push this ideology on my six-year-old, just because I find it wrong that they want to implement a, a you know, teaching moment around this blowjob sexual orientation doesn't mean that I hate blowjobs. <laughs> that couldn't be farther from the truth. <laughs> but it does mean that I don't think it's appropriate for children school age to be having this discussion with a 35-year-old man or 45-year-old or 65-year-old man who feels the need to talk about sex in school. It's weird. It's wrong. And it shouldn't be happening. And that's all this bill does and all this bill says. Nothing's discriminatory. They're not talking about how straight sex is the best sex in school. They're not doing that. And they're not talking about how being gay is horrible. Nobody's doing that. There's no, like, you're fighting the wrong enemy here. We all agree. Being gay is okay. Like, it's not, I don't care what you do in your sex life. Just don't bring your sex life to my child's middle school or elementary school or preschool and decide to preach it to my six-year-old. Because if you do, I'm going to come up there and I'm going to whoop your ass for it because you're creepy. And on that note, thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope you got some clarity today around the biolab situation. I think it was an interesting conversation to listen to both sides of it and see what everybody has to say. And then uh, go ahead and look out for the link tree. I'll go ahead and uh, put up some of those links from the actual uh, articles and uh, documents that were released by Russia that show these biolabs do exist. And uh, we'll have another discussion later this week. And that's all I got. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the revolution. Have a great week.